Welcome to Entrepreneurs in Action, the series where we hear from entrepreneurs from all over the world on how they bring success to their clients and build their own success in the process. I'm your host, Warwick Merry from warwickmerry.com. Now let's get straight to it and hear from our next Entrepreneur in Action. Welcome back to another edition of Entrepreneurs in Action. Now today, I'm very excited. I have with me the lovely Danielle Story. Hi, Danielle. Hey, Warwick. It's great to be here. Thank now, you. Now, Danielle Story runs The Cartridge Family. Tell me a little bit about The Cartridge Family. Yeah, well, it's not The Partridge Family, I can tell you. Right. Did you know what their first hit song was, Warwick? No, what was their first hit song? As I Think I Love You. I Think I Love You. That's a good way to start a podcast, isn't it? With, with a bit of love in With a, a bit of love and a bit oh, of singing. Yeah, like it's it. about the only song I get in tune and I only know that. No, I know it. <laughs> um, it's yeah, the cartridge family. So we're a family business and we sell printer cartridges. Although the lady at the bank has been known to call me Mrs. Cartridge. As you do. As you do. <laughs> All right. So today what I wanted to talk to you, uh, what I wanted to talk about is... Um, for you, you've you've set up this multi-million dollar business that you've been trading for quite some time. How many years have you been in business? Fifteen years. Fifteen years. Like now, God, it goes quick. Printer cartridges—they are a low-margin, high-volume kind of product. Bulk competitors out there. So, tell me a bit about your story in terms of starting up the business. What made you get into a highly competitive market to start with? Uh, and then later on, I want to talk about. What are what are your what's your edge? What's your competitive edge? Well, it, it's really interesting. I think we came out of corporate, both of us, and uh, decided that we wanted to run a business. And we ended up in a Tats Lotto agency, so a lotto agency in the gambling in the gambling game. And we held that for two years, and we're very, both very personable. We're both incredibly focused on making sure that a customer gets served. And that was always our thing. And um, we'd have people travelling two suburbs away to come and buy their Tats Lotto ticket on a Saturday because wow. we were just so much fun to be with. Right. We had three kids at that stage, and then um, it was just exhausting, um, you know, six days a week, off until 7.30 at night. And, and towards the end of the second year, we had a couple of uh, what we like to call unauthorised withdrawal at gunpoint. Okay. Hmm. Um, and, uh, and they scared basically the, you know, pants off us basically. And right. um, one, one when I was there on a Saturday and one when David was there midweek. And, and we had on the Saturday one, we had kids out the back. In you know, in a little room where the safe was, and oh, man. yeah, man, and that was at the point, and still today, going into the bank, I'm still really wary. Fifteen years on, yeah, mm. it's amazing. Um, so that was the point at which we decided to get out, and we made a loss. All our super was in that. All right. our all our future, yeah. all our hopes and dreams, and still today, everybody yeah. says to me, you know, having a tax lotto agency isn't that a license to print money? <laughs> go, Only no. you win. No, <laughs> it's a bit like saying to Woolworths and Coles, you know, having milk and bread, isn't that a license to print money? And it's not. It, that's why do you think they put the bread and the milk at the back of the shop? Well, they're a lost leader just to get you in the store. Correct. And that's Tats Lotto is not necessarily a lost leader. I wouldn't quite put it that, but very low margins and everybody wants it. Yeah. Um, it's a consumable product and it keeps people coming back. Yeah. Um, so we, uh, we managed to scrape up a bit of cash and um, buy a franchise. <laughs> um, but before we did, we did a lot of research into well, what would we want to do? And there were some non-negotiables. And for anybody out there that's looking, you know, I'm in corporate, I want to get out, I want to start my own business. I'm good at this. And if it's a servicey kind of skill, like looking after customers or, or data entry, you know, skills based, I'm good at this. Then start thinking, well, okay, what style of industry works for us? And what we knew is that it had to be consumable. 
whatever we did, it had to work face-to-face with customers. It had to be consumable. So we had to be talking to customers and we had something they were going to come back for again. So unlike being a real estate agent, face-to-face with customers, but it's only a seven to ten year cycle, that wasn't going to work for us. So so what we did uh, was we looked at the food industry. Now, 16 years ago, we probably weren't Greek enough to <laughs> have a food business in Australia with food delivery because it really was very dominated by those, yeah. you know, that awesome group of um, of people who were just, well, even today, it's the best food comes in, comes from the Mediterranean. Well, it just comes from the Mediterranean. I love the, any food that comes from the Mediterranean. I absolutely love it. So, um, so we decided that that wasn't going to work for us. Um, I always laugh and tell people that we looked at the sex industry, but we didn't. <laughs> well, it's consumable. It's a good story. And people yeah, keep coming back. They do keep coming back. But no, actually, I do know. So no, let's not go there. I didn't say I do know someone, but anyway, let's not go there. Um, so we um, we chose. Sta- well, we looked originally at stationery, and then from right. there we went into. Um, the refilled products and we started off refilling products, which is not where we are now. We say to everybody, we are not refilling products now. We're selling genuine products now. Okay. Because we found that old adage again in business is, um, you know, you get what you pay for. Right. In everything. Yeah, yeah. And, and there will always be, in a market this diverse in cartridges, there will always be people who need to save money. Yes. There will always be people who don't have the finance to, um, to buy the expensive printer that's cheap to print with. Um, or don't have the finance, you know, they've picked up a big deal on a printer and don't have... And that's that's really interesting. Uh, I, um, one of my contacts recently was quite proud of the fact that they'd bought a $39 printer. Yeah, and a $120 cartridge to refill it. Yeah. <laughs> and it's cheaper to go back and buy three new printers. But <laughs> And I say to people, it's not cheaper to refill. It's not cheaper to get those cheap printers. A, the printers go into landfill and cartridges don't. Cartridges yeah. get chipped down and turned into furniture and bollards and... And there are cartridge recycle bins all over Melbourne. Yeah. And if you're a big company that goes through three or four cartridges uh, a, a month, you can get your own bin. Right. And it, there's no charge. Okay. You know, that's yeah, a, it's yeah. always good for someone who says, oh, I'm a bit concerned about the environment. Yeah. Great. Get a bin. Uh, so, all right. Really interesting. So from that, what I'm hearing is that you really were quite specific about the kind of industry that you were in. But also your target market, like you were, your focus was more of the, I won't say upscale, because I'm not sure if there's upscale in in the printer industry, but you weren't after the people who were just after the cheapest price all the time. No. And and honestly, there are people that do that really well. Mm. There are are segments of my competitors that do that really well. They look after people for that um, uh, compatible $10 you know, churn it out, and they've got great systems in place to do that. But it's not where we wanted to be. What we wanted to do was really get quite strategic about our ideal customer is generally offline, so they're not they're not they're they could be slow adopters of technology because right. they they could want a little bit of advice. And we've got a um uh, I don't think they call them retirement lifestyle village behind us in you know behind the office, and there's hundreds of people that live in this lifestyle village, and the the printer and PC market for that above 50 um, is just massively growing uh, and um, and it's an ideal market for us. People who just want someone who can hold their hand a little bit. Now, okay. that doesn't mean that we're the most expensive because we don't have pens and pencils and paper to offset. And again, strategic, we decided not to go too broad. You know, when I'm, on, when I'm teaching business owners in my speaking business what to do, how to niche, I'll always say, what's your niche? You know, how can you scale something down so you have a laser focus on a particular niche that gives you joy to work with 
but also provides you the, the buffer or the finance or whatever it is you need. And so we decided to niche with those people that want a little bit of help and not go too broad with pens and pencils originally, and Originally, yeah, you were saying, oh, we wanted to get into the stationary industry. Yeah. And then you, that's turned into printer cartridges. Yeah. So what led you to narrow down or was there a journey from the here we are in recycled cartridges to now we're selling only OEM products? Um, were you selling other stuff originally, like, you know, discs and labels and all that sort of stuff or look we've tucked we've we've popped our toe we we compatible product was always the thing that we did and and we found that the 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 problems that came from that we'd spend more your time problem fighting and firefighting than you did anything else and I really don't enjoy that I'd much rather help someone out and have them delighted and have them toddle off in their way and not see them for three months and have to deal with them three times with the problems that these things created we touched our toe in the water with paper for a while and that was simply because one of our customers said look we really need you to supply the paper we played with um, again another customer needed some labels for a while that was just because we were distributing Um, but again we keep coming back to the core um, uh, focus on genuine cartridges it is a huge market and there's lots of people out there and we're happy in our niche okay so 15 years selling printer cartridges that is a significant effort you know they talk about small business saying you know five years 80 percent of businesses fail and then five years after that another 80 percent fail so to be in business for that period of time in such a competitive market with such low market margins how do you do it like what are what are some of the your secrets of success for any other entrepreneurs out there who might be listening uh Look, classically, the story goes that we were broke for five to six years. There was just nothing. There was no margin in anything we were doing, even when we were doing the compatibles that have big margin. Um, and there was, there, it really was, down, it came down to my ignorance. For five years, and particularly the couple of years when I, so I wasn't working for the business for the first couple of years. We had business partners, and then I came in and sort of toddled along and did a few things, and People would say to me, so can I have a discount on my cartridge? And it'd be a you know, $40 cartridge and they'd want it for $30 and all of a sudden they're starting to go, okay, well, that's a 20% discount. Well, there isn't 20% in printer cartridges. Anything that's high turnover generally doesn't have a 20% margin. And, but I, because I was frightened of saying no and frightened of losing the customer, would more often than not say yes. And so we ran our business, quite frankly, at a break-even point, if not at a loss, for the first seven years of the business. And I got a business coach, and he started to make me become accountable for reporting on the critical numbers. And it was like a light came on for me. Why hadn't I done that five years before? You know, I was, I was working with a client the other day, and he said to me, my wife does all the books, my wife does all the figures, I hate it. And I said to him, so let's find something that you love about the numbers. I said, what does it cost you to get a client? Because he loves marketing. I said, so the, the number that always excites me is the cost of acquisition of a client or a customer. So what does it cost you to get that client? So have a look at how much money you spent in marketing in a period of time. Last financial year, last calendar year, last month if you want to. And how many clients have you gained in that period of time? And you should know that because you're raising new invoices for them. That shouldn't be a hard number to work out. Yeah, for sure. And your accounting system should be able to just churn that out. Should be able to spit that out. And so then divide one by the other and you've got the cost of acquisition of a client. So all of a sudden I started to look at and I started to look and say, for, for me, the figure was somewhere around $185, $187. But my average dollar sale, so this, what my, on average everybody would buy, another critical number that I love, was under $187. 
It was, it was much lower than that. So I started to see, well, hang on a minute, it's costing me on average $187 to get a client, but their first order doesn't even cover what it's cost me to get them on average. And if I then started to talk about profit, oh my, I had to have these people buy from me six times and I had to stop saying no to discounting. Yeah. So that, for me to, to begin to report consciously on cost of acquisition, on what my average dollar sale, on what my profit was doing, opened my mind, opened my eyes, and I went from I don't care about the figures because I, you know, I can't lay claim to doing this on my own. David, my husband, is the backbone of this business. He's the systems, he's the process, he's the... I mean, he's got everything with an nth of degree and could pull out a transaction. We've pulled out transactions from six years ago for warranty purposes. Fantastic. And he can tell us exactly where, when and how and the notes that are attached to it. And I have learnt in the last 10 years particularly to become the same. And if you don't like it now, learn to like it because that's what gives you longevity. That's what gives you the confidence to say no to a customer and find a compromise. You know, any negotiation is all about reaching the point at which one party says no. If you're going to be the one that doesn't say no at any point, you're going to just you're going to run yourself into the ground. Yeah. All right. So I, I really like what you're saying about understanding the numbers. Um, in my experience, most entrepreneurs get very excited about what they're doing and very excited about you know this is the stuff. But all the numbers behind it's that it's either somebody else's business or it'll just happen. I'll take it to the accountant at the end of the year. And there is such power from knowing your numbers, from ah, what you're saying. In every sense of everything you do, you know, we lost one of our biggest clients earlier in the year and we always knew that it was going to happen. It's, it's just one of those evolution of the way things happen with big business. Yep. And, um, and as part of that process, we're tracking our profit and loss, if not every month, every two weeks Right. So that we can be very clear on what we can or can't do as a result of that. Now, we're not in any danger of going under, but we can make strategic marketing decisions yeah. on how do we go about capitalising on the loss and capitalising on what we've currently, thousands of people we've currently got. And of course, now we can go back to focusing more clearly on that larger group of people rather than that one customer. And, and that makes sense, particularly in your early days to be really aware of your cash flow and what's going on. And then also when something significant is happening in your business, because if every day in business you're going more broke, you'd really want to be starting to say, well, should we be wrapping it up unless there is a strategic plan that things are definitely going to change, not, oh, I hope things will change soon. Yeah, oh, I hope I get that new customer and yeah, that's going yeah. to really help. <laughs> um, if, if, you can, if you can just get the clarity on the numbers and you can run the numbers once a month. Now, my coach for the seven years that I worked with him was saying, I want those critical numbers every week. And I kept saying, oh, I don't want, I won't give them to you. I haven't got time. I haven't got time. I haven't got time. And over the years, he wore me down and I knew he was right. And, and after a couple of years, I started reporting on them weekly. And the power of knowing your numbers weekly, because yeah. there's things like you can work out what's the slowest week of your month. So that's therefore, what do I need to do in that week that's going to make a difference? So did you find then that you had seasonal issues as well? So you could then say, oh, okay, yeah, we need to do some shocker. more marketing? Okay. Yeah, April, March, April, depending on when Easter fell. Right. So if there was a school holidays and Easter all in the same, and every year we'd be 30% down. And that's a huge amount. Yeah. Now, mind you, the months either side were massive. Yeah. Because school comes back. We've got a lot of schools as customers. A lot of, you know, these, a lot of things shift either side but that just meant I can now plan for the fact that I could do some serious marketing in March or April to see if I can increase that and this I'm, pl I'm pleased to say this year 
even losing our client, we had a really great April. Yeah, fantastic. Simply because I was aware of what was going on seasonally. Yeah. Now, around the traps, when I did a bit of research talking about your business to people, everyone kept mentioning the frog. (laughs) Tell me about the frog. Well, the frog is a transactional delight system that we run. We decided about eight years ago, seven, probably even nine years ago now, um, that we needed something that went out with every transaction. So whether it goes out in the box with the cartridge or whether it goes out in the um, invoice, depending on where we ship it from, we needed something. And that something needed to be something that was flat enough to go through on a single stamp or it would, because there's no point doubling your postage costs, and for, for many people out there, they said, but I email my invoices. I go, yeah, but my people rush to open my invoices. So you, I don't understand. Okay, Explain. Why little do people rush frog. to open your... Okay, so this little, little, little lolly frog, which I used to build by hand. I used to get the little bags and heat seal and label. Now I get it done by somebody else. This little lolly frog that go out has just become synonymous with something sweet that goes with every invoice. And people rush to open the invoice because they know they're going to get that incredible sweet treat. Oh, fantastic. And so and so, David will ring and say, you know, my bank account's lonely because he's awesome like that when he collects money. Right. And, he, and they'll say, why? And they say, well, because it hasn't got your payment in it. <laughs> and they, they might come on and say, he'll say, so I didn't get the invoice. And he'll say, who ate the frog? And they go, I did. Oop. Okay. <laughs> you know. Right. <laughs> um, it, the frog has just become synonymous with, with the transactional. So some way we delight our customer on every transaction. Right. Um, we used to do a little chocolate. Uh, we went through a stage. We had a mould built. It was a chocolate that had our logo on it. Okay. And in the summer, one client rang me up and said, can I have a new invoice? And we said, why? She said, because the chocolate melted all over. Oh, no. And she said, I've licked it off, but I can't file it because <laughs> <laughs> it'll stick to the other invoices. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, just building something flat and small and delightful. It could be anything. I love brainstorming yeah, those yeah. things. Okay. But, it, but it's it's gives them a reason to open and a reason to get excited about paying the bill. Everybody wants one of those frogs. And it's one. I have people that chop them up and share them, pay invoices and put in the little um, in the little bit on the paid on the um, banking. Red frog, please. Fantastic. <laughs> I say, and that, this must create some awesome customer loyalty for you. Yes. Yeah. So so how has how has this this uh, customer loyalty or tribe building that you've done, how's that helped your business? Well, you know, the key to customer loyalty is to have customers that feel safe. They feel safe enough to that they, that you are going to provide a consistent service. And that lolly frog is part of our consistency. They know that they're going to get it every single time. So they then become, um, and it delights them every single time. So it creates that little warm, fuzzy feeling that people go, yeah, I really like these guys because I know I'm going to get what I want when I want it. I know I'm also going to get an invoice. I don't know how many businesses out there that don't invoice people regularly? It's amazing, isn't it? I had something the other day. I had to ring them up and say, hi, you've done this for me. Can you send me an invoice, please? Yeah. I, I speak to a lot of people and I say, you need to send invoices every Friday. Oh, yeah, I know. Or invoices in the right format. Yeah. Like, you know, there's a lot that I've received, particularly from smaller businesses, 
that are essentially not legal. They don't have the words tax invoice on it. They haven't broken stuff down. And it's not hard to do. Really, we've all got people around us who are either bookkeepers or accountants. Go and book one of them for an hour and say to them, what I need to know, what do I need to know to this? What do I need, what action step do I need to yeah, take? Yeah. Start with a list and then you start, you'll be able to go back to your office and I've done that, I've done that, I've done that, I've done that. You yeah, know, yeah. Just strategically get somebody to help you. Okay, so in, in, in wrapping up, if you had to give uh, top three tips that you reckon that someone who's an entrepreneur they're either starting out or they're just they're looking revisiting their business what do you reckon uh, the the top three things that you would advise them that they need to consider or, or have a look at all right the first thing i'd say is get clarity on what it is what target market you want to sit you want to attack in whatever it is that you do so what kind of people do i want to talk to what who do i resonate with who do i want to help in what i do and in doing that in having that clarity the second question that nobody asks Nobody will ask you this question but me right now. And it says, what do you want them to do for you? What do you want those people to do for you? And there'll be five or six things you want them to do for, for you. One of them will be pay your bill. So therefore, if you want them to pay your bill, what system do you need to have in place to make sure that they're going to pay that bill? That's part of that clarity of who's your target market. Another one might be you want them to, Some often people say to me, I want them to come back again. Well, what do you have in place to ask them to come back again? How open are they to your competitors and, and, and looking around for price? What do you do? What system do you have in place to get them to come back again? And there are four or five of those, what you want them to do. One of my favourites, what you want them to do, is to forgive you when you make a mistake. Cool. Okay. Yes. You want them to forgive you when you, when, they, when you make a mistake. So what system have you got in place? What system can you plan for when things go wrong? Now, you can jump on the... I'm um, uh, very very fortunate to be a business advisor for Business Online, just an um, online advisor. And you can jump on the Business Victoria online website and you can download a risk assessment sheet. It's okay. awesome. Do you know that website off the top uh, of your head? Yeah, it's business.vic.gov.au. Fantastic. And at the top right-hand corner, type in risk assessment. Okay. In that little, but right yeah, up yeah, in the top yeah, right-hand yeah. corner. Search box, and yeah. Search box, and then you download the risk assessment sheet. And you could write down all the risks that your customers have in dealing with you and what you would go about, how you would fix that. And and what little, little, little gift would you put in the mail at the end to say sorry properly? Okay. And that's the system. Yeah. So, yep. so there's some of the things. So get clarity on who the target market is and then what you want them to do for you. And it would take you only a day to sit down and write a list of all of the things the systems that you could have in place yep. and then break it down into 90-day blocks of getting them done. Yeah, great. If there's 12 systems on your list that you think that you really need in your business that you don't have, then you might have 12 90-day blocks. Yep. After all, you want to be in business for the next four years. Yeah, yeah. Three years. <laughs> Hang on, I'm getting my mouse. I told you, critical numbers. Uh, yeah. I'm learning three them. Years, no, three no, no, three years, three years. So you want to be in business for three years, so why wouldn't you take three years yeah. to put one in place every 90 days, take the pressure off yourself? So that's my first thing. Yeah. Get clarity on who you want to look after and what their target market, what you want them to do for you. The second is know your numbers. Yeah. For goodness sake, make the effort. Know yeah. your numbers, even if you only know five of them. And as we said, it's on your, your accounting system. Well, it's really, really not that hard to generate. Yeah, some and stuff. you know, Warwick, I, I know of you enough to know that you're, in, you're a numbers man, you're an accountant. Yep. And I also know that you mentor business owners. I, book an hour with Warwick for or two or three or whatever it is and get him to come in and sit down and have a conversation about the critical numbers that you need to know. Because... If you haven't got an accountant or a bookkeeper who will tell you, I know that well, you know that you can. <laughs> and then, um, so get clarity on your critical numbers. And the third thing ties into that, run systems. Yeah. Build systems. Because I'm one of the most 
ad hoc women have been into my story of where I've come from, the things I haven't achieved, the disappointments, the ways I've let myself down, the fears that I had. I don't have any of that stuff anymore. And I built that out of systems. I built that because I put processes in place. I found people to hold me accountable. And in that, I developed a pride in myself and I developed a sense of, you know what, I can run a great business. Oh gosh, I've got the most amazing support in David and in Sam and in all the people I have around me. I couldn't, you know, we're doing it as a team. Yeah. But get the systems in place and get it started. Fantastic. There's some great advice there. Danielle, thank you so much. If people want to get in touch with you and find out more about the Cartridge family or have any questions with you, how can they get in touch with you? Yeah, well, via the Cartridge family, the W's, the Cartridge family, T-H-E-C-A-R-I-D-G-E-F-A-M-I-L-Y, we all know how to spell family, .com.au. I'd love to talk to anybody who wants to pick up the phone. All the phone numbers are there. We're easily contactable. Fantastic. So that's www.thecartridgefamily.com.au. Daniel Story, thank you so much for being part of Entrepreneurs in Action. My pleasure. Well, that's it for this edition of the Entrepreneurs in Action. Thanks for joining me. I've been your host, Warwick Merry from warwickmerry.com. I look forward to joining you next time for another episode of Entrepreneurs in Action.